0: Modern orthopedics is a rapidly evolving and exciting field that continues to push the boundaries of what is possible with treatment. Advances in technology, including minimally invasive surgical techniques and the use of robotics, have revolutionized the field of orthopedics, allowing for patients to quickly begin the rehabilitation process and can significantly improve the outcomes of orthopedic procedures. Here is your behind-the-scenes pass to one of the most well-established orthopedic practices in the DFW area. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Orthopedics. My name is Lauren Padina. I'm the CEO here at Orthopedic Specialist of Dallas, and I'm accompanied by Madison Dillow. He's been the director of therapy for the past seven years at our organization, and We're here to tell you a little bit more about physical and occupational therapy here at Orthopedic Specialist of Dallas. Welcome, Madison.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I kind of just want to start this out with just a little bit about you. You came to this organization fresh out of therapy school. And what was your original impression of the physical therapy profession and how has that kind of progressed in the last seven years?
1: My original impression of the physical therapy profession was as being a tech I worked in a facility that had a super high volume, four to five patients an hour. It was a a little more overwhelming. Um, Whereas coming here, we spend more time with the patient and we have a slightly lower volume. I feel like we get more one-on-one interaction with the therapists and the the patients. We get to to build better relationships and more more direct care, which I, I really appreciate about this place. It's one of the things that drew me to it initially.
0: Do you think as a community or as a new grad, you had a certain outline of what the therapy profession should look like, and then you came into the profession and started treating patients and that dynamic changed?
1: Yes, I would say initially as a therapist, I viewed myself as someone who is there to make changes to the patient. It's uh, me treating as opposed to us working together to find a, a common goal that benefits the patients. And now I realize uh, as I've become more experienced that it's a collaborative effort. Um, the patient needs to buy in. I need to do my job, giving them all the information that they need. And, but it's a, it's a team thing as opposed to me just treating the patient.
0: So more patient centric. Yes. Where you're aligning what is important for them functionally, but then they're telling you their goals from a, Life, livelihood, professional standpoint that they want to get back to.
1: Correct. And I think that's the number one thing in outcomes is if a patient has a goal or something they're trying to achieve, they work harder, they're compliant with their exercises, they just do better. Whereas someone who comes in because they were told they needed to go to physical therapy. So you need to do a job to identify what they really want, especially early because otherwise they don't
0: want to do therapy. That's an excellent point. Do you think that patients feel like they have a choice and a ability to kind of drive their therapy?
1: I don't think they do initially, but that's part of the initial evaluation conversation is you need to let them know that they're a part of this. They're a part of them getting better. And that empowerment on their part, I feel like helps their buy-in and allows you to, you know, build a better relationship. And they, the, the trust aspect becomes a bigger thing there when they are part of the treatment and the goal.
0: So what, give us some life examples of some goals that you've had patients want to achieve.
1: Oh, I think one of the biggest ones I see a lot is with total knee replacements. They have, I'll see them and they're like, I have a wedding in four months and I need to wear heels. I need to walk down the aisle on no limp. And those people, they're motivated. They they come in, they never miss appointments, their their drive to get better is always there.
0: So you're telling me in four weeks, a total knee can get back to a heels and dancing at and a wedding? Was
1: four, it was four months. Oh, four months, four months. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Typically, if they come in at four weeks and say they got a wedding, it's not going to be the exact same result.
0: Uh, what other goals? What other types of things have people or patients come in and wanted to achieve?
1: Oh, one of my favorite ones was I had a rotator cuff patient who was doing the national world single boat sailing competition. Um, he had it nine months from when we started, he ended up winning and he's on the cover of this national sailing magazine. It's just him on this little solo boat. You know, it's not like a huge sailing boat, but it's like, you know, six feet. And that was a really cool one. Cause he came back up and he brought the magazine of him on the cover and told me he won the thing.
0: That's awesome. So you're saying that most goals are pretty achievable. Yes. And do you think that there's a misconception that they have to be these outlandish goals of like wanting to sail or wanting to get back to a marathon? Don't you think that therapy provides value in daily activity? And we tend to dilute the importance of like standing up from a chair, going upstairs in order, you know, for patients to see grandchildren or... That type of thing.
1: That That's what uh, the thought that came to mind is that, you know, a lot of people tell me that, that I want to be able to lift 20 pounds off the ground because I want to be able to carry my grandchild safely. And, you know, I want to be able to get up and down. I don't I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my grandchildren. Um, so, yeah, small goals like that are just as important as any of the other big ones.
0: So if I was out in the community and I was realizing I had a two story house and I couldn't get to the second floor and I, you know, didn't even have any ailments, maybe a little knee pain, can I come see a therapist directly?
1: Oh, absolutely. So here in Texas, we have direct access partially. Um, (laughs) So
0: explain that a little to me. So what does that mean partially? If I walk into your clinic um, and, you know, here at Orthopedic Specialist Dallas, we have multiple clinics, um, Wiley, Rockwall, and Forney, somebody in those communities would walk into your clinic and say, a, I have knee pain, or B, I don't have knee pain, but I want to see a therapist.
1: So anybody off the street can come in without a prescription and see a therapist for an initial evaluation and two weeks of care. So ten business days from the date of the evaluation. From that point on, we can decide: okay, this is something that we're going to need continuous care for, and we can send a script to a, a doctor, your PCP, or any orthopedic person you are seeing at the time. Or, uh, but these things allow us to kind of identify problems that maybe you didn't know were there things that we could even identify and refer you to the correct provider from that situation. After the two weeks though, we do have to have a prescription or carry on. That's why I say kind of direct access, but anyone off the street with any knee pain, shoulder pain, back ailment, um, general weakness, balance issues, any of those things can see any of our therapists at any location.
0: And that's across the board for a physical therapy practice. And what about occupational therapy? So kind of leaning towards upper extremity, can I walk in a clinic and say, you know, I have a hurt hand or I can't grab my fork. Do they have direct access? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think they do. Uh-huh. So uh, it's physical therapy driven. Yeah, it's okay. physical
1: therapy driven. Yes. Uh, I know occupational therapists are now a master's profession. So I don't think they enjoy the same direct access that we do.
0: So tell me the difference between a physical therapist and an occupational therapist.
1: So a physical therapist typically is, we we treat the entire body, um, spine, uh, all extremities, feet, hands, all those things. Whereas um, an occupational therapist typically focus more on upper extremity, but also more return to function aspects. So you're looking at more... More functional daily tasks. Uh, I want to be able to dress myself. An occupational therapist can help you modify your tasks, whether you had a hip replacement and now you can't bend forward past a certain limitation. They can give you the tools and the skills to do these daily tasks and functions. Um, Same thing with return to work types of things. Fine motor skills. They can focus on those types of things. Where physical therapy, we focus more on gross motor functions, but also we also incorporate a lot of that return to work, return to activity stuff, but it's more so driven by growth, strength, balance, (laughs) range of motion, um, those kind of things. So I'd say we were more function driven and an occupational therapy would be more a, a skill driven profession.
0: So what made you go into developing a sports, a medicine driven therapy practice?
1: Um, So one of the aspects we're trying to incorporate is the return to sports protocol. And we just want to make sure that patients we're seeing have gone through the motions, the, the skills, everything that they're going to need to get back into their sport. We don't want them going back in and have never planted or cut or changed direction. We want them to have done all those things with us prior to that. So we know they're safe. We know their mechanics are sound and we know they have the strength and the function to do so. Um, We don't want people going back to sports early getting hurt because they didn't have adequate rehab. So we like to have certain checkoffs that identify, okay, this patient either is strong enough, functional enough, and has done the things that they need to return to their specific sport.
0: What do you think are one or two common underlying issues with athletes that we as a community or patient population don't necessarily identify? But when you come into a therapy department, you're like, because of this, this athlete has this problem.
1: So one thing we can do is we identify weaknesses in the kinetic chain that could possibly lead to issues later on. Yes, functionally, you can perform that now. But if you continue to do that same motion, or that same activity in the same way, eventually it's going to lead to a problem.
0: What's a You have an example?
1: Oh, like so with landing mechanics, jumping down, if you have a knee valgus collapse, which means the knees kind of fall in together. That's going to put you at more prone risk to ACL tears, meniscus problems, all those types of issues that you have a possibility of dealing with when you return to sport or playing anything. It doesn't have to be a sport and you're running in the backyard, playing with kids, whatever.
0: So if I had a student athlete or a kid or a child or a neighbor and I, you know, was wanting to bring them to therapy, they didn't necessarily have an injury. Would you evaluate that and give us exercises based on your assessment?
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the things we're incorporating is this FMS screen, which is a functional movement screen, which allows us to identify different weaknesses in either muscle length, range of motion, stability, balance, all those kind of things. And if we can find holes now that we can identify and improve, we're less likely to have those injuries later on.
0: So you would give the patient exercises to perform based on your assessment?
1: Yes. And it doesn't mean they have to come in to therapy three times a week for so long. We can Evaluate the patient, identify some issues, give them some exercises to work on, and they can take those home. Continue them part of their home program, or they can come back in and see us. Say, "Hey, these were good. I feel more functional, but I still notice I'm having issues with certain things." And we can, you know, tweak their program and change, make the changes they need.
0: So it could be one or two visits, essentially. Yes, absolutely. What well, any upper extremity issues you see that are common in athletes?
1: Oh, uh, or youth baseball players. I, I see a massive influx of shoulder weakness of kids who throw you know three times a week. They don't have the stability of their shoulder to actually control the deceleration of their arm. Um, so that is a huge issue. We see a lot of kids coming in with elbow problems, shoulder problems, um, bicep pain because they don't have the strength to control what they're trying to do, um, especially a, a lot of these kids at this time are growing significantly and they don't have the body control. So we can do a lot of things to help build that that shoulder stability to help prevent injuries, especially in overhead athletes.
0: What about any other sports? Do y'all, I identify with like tennis players or golfers or is there anything else?
1: Oh, we can do this for all sports. Um, A lot of shoulder stability stuff is all overhead athletes, volleyball players, softball players, baseball players, any of those things for And identifying those weaknesses in the shoulder, especially in throwing athletes, is a big deal because I personally dealt with a lot of shoulder pain as a pitcher myself, and I didn't know these things at the time. Um, But it can prolong your career and allow you to do a lot more things pain-free for longer.
0: And tell us a little bit about your TPI program. It's related with sports and golfing, right?
1: uh, Yes. So the, the TPI program is from the Titleist Performance Institute, and it is a functional screen to identify... Weaknesses in the kinetic chain for golfers. It's limited rotational movements. Those things can cause pain in the hip, the back, and it helps identify those problems early to allow you the best possible movement to do what you want to do. Our screens check everything from cervical rotation to ankle mobility, head to toe. And after that, we can take a progr- make, create a program for you to adjust these weaknesses.
0: Awesome. So any athlete basically can walk in the door and, you know, get an assessment and get signed up. Doesn't matter if they have insurance, no insurance.
1: No, anybody can be seen. Our only stipulation for direct access is that the physical therapists have a doctorate in physical therapy. That's part of the the direct access program, uh, the direct access law that was passed here in Texas. But I would say 95% of our therapists have this ability or have a doctorate.
0: And with regards to occupational therapy, do you see them dealing with a lot of sports complex injuries or those are usually driven towards physical therapy?
1: Those sports and complex injuries are typically driven more towards the physical therapy component, whereas the occupational therapists are typically seeing work injuries, um, activity or hobby injuries, things like that.
0: Do y'all treat spine?
1: Absolutely. We, uh, we, We treat every part of the body. And we've recently brought on a spine doctor here at OSD, so we are treating a lot more spine. um, But we can help with every aspect of that. Um, I don't want to go into all the diagnoses of the spine, but, yes, we absolutely treat... Any uh, type
0: of back pain, neck pain?
1: Back pain, neck pain, we treat it all. Okay.
0: So let's switch gears a little bit um, now with, like, non-surgical and surgical patients. So a lot of what we've talked about right now is just the generalized therapy to get you back to a level of function. Maybe describe in detail the process with a total joint and then a scope procedure and kind of through the eyes of a patient. You know, for me, there would be a lot of apprehension when I'm going to go in and either have my rotator cuff repaired or my knee replaced. Like I have no idea other than I want to get rid of that pain. And I think we've experienced it with patients that, You know, it's really quite a a great experience because their lives are changed and how kind of walk us through that process. If somebody came into our practice and had knee pain and was going to have a procedure, now they're coming to you.
1: All right. So one of the good parts about our total joint program is that we have almost all of our patients do a prehab prior to their surgery. So this allows the patient to come in. We take baseline numbers, range of motion, strength, but we also talk them through the process, how rehab's going to go, any questions they have about the surgical procedure itself, like what they're going to do the day of, the day after, how their experience is going to go. We talk about limitations they're going to have, things that they need to prepare at the house or have either borrow from friends, neighbors, or go out and buy themselves before they have the surgery so they're prepared as they can be.
0: So a lot of times there's a checklist of items that we can proactively do for the patient and the patient can do for themselves to prepare for that procedure.
1: Absolutely. And the thing is when people haven't had multiple orthopedic procedures before, they don't know what their limitations are going to be. We'll have patients come in and they're going through the process, they're doing great, and you find out they live on the third floor. And they're going to have a day surgery and we have to tell them, you're not going to be able to walk up two flights of stairs to go to your bedroom. So we're going to need to make sure that's all set up downstairs or you're going to have living accommodations adjusted for you at that time. And I would say we as therapists get to spend a lot more time with our patients. So we usually get more of the, the detailed questions that they miss out with with the doctors or things they when they leave the doctor's office, they think, oh, I should have asked that. And that's another positive with our facility is that we're so close with the doctors. If it's a medication question or if it's something that we don't have the answer to, we can walk into the back or text one of our doctors and find out immediately for you.
0: And so that kind of relieves their preoperative anxiety and confusion, and then they come to you afterwards and is there, do they have pain? Are they able? So with a total knee, let's say, are they able to walk? Um, Are they able to go to therapy a day or is it a week or is a month? Kind of talk us through that.
1: So now with the day surgery process, you will be up and walking the day of your surgery. So what if everybody
0: have a day, like if I'm going to have a total knee, it has to be done the same day.
1: It doesn't have to be a day surgery. Um, We try to identify our patients that are more mobile and more functional and would benefit from this early on in the process, but it is not a, an absolute rule. You don't have to go home the same day. If you're a candidate who has other health issues or may need extra care, it is absolutely possible for us to set you up where you're staying overnight in the hospital.
0: Good to hear. So whether I go here the next day after surgery or it's a few days, do I come to an outpatient clinic? Or is there other options? Does somebody come to my home?
1: There's multiple options. There's home health therapy where someone comes to your home. There's inpatient therapy where you go to a facility and then there's outpatient. So with home health, you're going to have typically a two week treatment period there, but a therapist should come to your house two to three times. And with all our therapy options. We want you to be seen 1 to 2 days afterwards. We want to make sure that joints moving, your strength's good, and you know what to expect and what you should be doing after surgery. The immediate treatment by a physical therapist gives us much better outcomes for your function, strength, and range of motion. In an inpatient facility, you'll actually stay there the entire time and receive at least 3 hours of therapy a day, but this may not just be physical therapy. This could be physical, occupational, or Speech, but probably not for an orthopedic procedure, um, and then outpatient these are more advanced patients they they're not requiring extra care they're able to move around, use an assisted device, do most of their daily activities immediately after surgery does it hurt well, absolutely it's going to hurt i I can't tell you it doesn't do that, but typically. I don't want to go into like the procedure of it, but typically the first day our patients feel great. They have a nerve block post-op and I have to tell them, and I say this in every prehab, the first day you're going to feel pretty good. Do not overdo it. I've had people go try to go to the grocery store right after surgery because their knee felt great. And then I see them the day after and it definitely feels like they walked all day at Kroger. Now those things are really only information you would get if you went to a prehab appointment and someone warned you that, hey, day one is not what day two is gonna feel like. Day one's gonna feel great. Day two is when you're gonna feel everything that happened. But our our closest with the doctors allows us to identify if, you know, patient has uncontrolled pain, we can go back there and speak with the doctor on your behalf, let you know, let the doctor know what's going on. And the same thing if you if I we identify, you know, excessive stiffness early on or things that we want to jump ahead of to try to prevent a limitation in the future.
0: And typically, how often do patients come to therapy postoperatively?
1: Postoperatively, Post-operatively, our typical patient is seen two times a week for six weeks. Uh, our goal is to get you, the goal is to get you graduated from therapy in six weeks. My general rule of thumb is two weeks on the walker, two weeks on the cane and two weeks walking regular. But that there's a lot of variability between that, patients with that.
0: So ideally, six weeks of um, post-operative care, and I'm pretty much back to my daily life.
1: At that point, you should be doing normal ADLs, activities of daily living. You should be able to walk. Um,
0: Can I go back to work
1: in six? Well, that does depend on your job. If it's a sedentary job, absolutely. If you're a uh, a line man climbing up to uh, fix electrical things, then probably not.
0: And what would be the difference between the total knee and total hip? Is it kind of the same process?
1: It, it, it's a similar process. Our, our total hips, sometimes depending on how active and how functional they are, they some may be only seen once a week. But the hip and the knee both have the same prehab experience. We both are both in one to two days after a surgery. And they both have all the same follow-up options for physical therapy, home health, inpatient, or outpatient therapy.
0: Awesome. What about, probably go into a little bit of detail about like rotator cuff. Is it kind of the same thing? Do you do prehab? Do you do post-op care? And how long is that? So
1: with our rotator cuffs, we have not been doing prehab visits. Um, It is going to be a little longer recovery than your total joint. Um, typically we're six weeks in a sling. This is where we're mainly working on range of motion, no active movement of the shoulder itself, because we're trying to protect the repair. Once we get clearance from the doctor at the six week mark, and this can vary four to six weeks, depending on your surgery. Um, that's when we start to begin active movement, you raising the arm, um, us allowing you to use pulleys, walk your arm up the wall, those kind of things. And then after that stage, then we start to progress to resistance and then where you start to build that strength and get, back, get you back to where you're, you're a f- functional and you can use that arm like you normally would.
0: And I think we probably all know most, like there's a lot of athletes that go back to throwing with rotator cuffs. And typically what's the time span to return to like a higher level sport? Uh,
1: to return to a higher level sport, you're looking at six to nine months with the average overhead athlete. That's again, that's going to be a longer rehab because you're looking for more powerful movements, more dynamic movements that are going to require a lot more shoulder stability and strength generation.
0: Is there anything you think patients don't know with regards to post-operative care in general or physical therapy?
1: Well, incision care seems to be a big thing that patients are typically unsure with. So identifying redness, um, anything that may look like an infection, that's why we like to see you one to two days after so we can see the incision, make any recommendations to the doctor if, if need be. If we need to say, hey, something about your incision doesn't look right, I need you to get in to see the doctor this week. And that's a good tie-in for our therapy department because the same thing, we can just go to the back take the pic, to take a picture to the doctor and say, this is what their incision looks like. Whereas if it was another facility, not tied, as close as we are to the doctors, they're going to have a harder time reaching out and getting in contact.
0: Do you also, infection rate, anything else you think?
1: Um, also identifying DVTs, um, which is a blood clot in the leg, typically redness, pain, and swelling in the lower extremity and other things that we try to identify early on. That's why we want to see you almost immediately after surgery.
0: Do you think patients have a realistic expectation of what their return to function is going to be post-operatively, just as a general rule of thumb.
1: I would say I've never had a patient tell me it went as fast as they wanted to. I agree. Everyone wants it to happen faster than it is. And the therapy process as a whole is not a linear growth thing. You're not going every day is perfect and every day is a little better than before. That's our goal, but there's going to be ups and downs throughout that process. And that's one of the things as a physical therapist, you got to help the patient kind of navigate that not being too down on the the days when you're having more pain and more swelling because overall you're trending upwards. As much as we see the patient, we are more aware of like, look, last week you couldn't get out of the chair without using your hands. Now you can stand up and walk across the room. Yes, you're, you're still having some issues, but your function has improved significantly in the, in the times we've seen you.
0: I would say too, that I think, you know, what we've had in the past in the therapy profession is people think pre or post operatively, you're going to come in and you're going to be seen for X amount of times a week for X amount of months. And it was very cookie cutter. And I think as a practice and as a profession, we've become more individualized with our treatment sessions. And we've learned that, you know, We've been doing total joints and rotator cuffs for years now and it doesn't have to be the same exercises at X, Y and Z. You have to treat the patient versus necessarily a diagnosis.
1: Absolutely. There's a huge swing in how patients present. Some people have amazing range of motion early, some are more stiff. People who are progressing faster were allowed we can not see them for as many visits initially and then Begin when we hit the strengthening process, or uh, uh, further on down the road, we can start to add more visits and you know ad- adapt our treatment to what they need.
0: What just generally speaking, other things are available with a the therapy profession. Like dry needling is one thing I think people are aware of. Um, spinal decompression, physical therapists do.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of treatments. There's cupping, dry needling, spinal decompression. We help set patients up with. You know, TENS units, um, neuromuscular reeducation to help that a, a quad muscle or something like that, fire after surgery. Uh, there's a lot of different treatment options that we have as therapists that we all try to strive and learn more and more about every, every year.
0: So I think a common misconception with physical and occupational therapy is that it's very orthopedic based. And um, when you're affiliated with an orthopedic practice, they tend to think bones. And, you know, outside of that scope, what does physical therapy and occupational therapy treat?
1: Uh, we treat a, a big range of neuromuscular conditions, headaches, uh, the, you know, general back pain, things that aren't a fracture or an injury, things like that. We, we treat a a big gamut of physical impairments in people.
0: So I could have, you know, the inability to walk from MS, or I could have a vertigo from dizziness from, you know, going to a park. What if I have, you know, like pelvic floor, Those physical therapy does that as well?
1: Uh, yes, they do. We don't currently have a women's health specialist, but we are absolutely trying to bring one of those on or... Bring that into our practice. But
0: that is, uh, physical therapy in general yes, treats that. Yes, physical
1: therapy in general does treat that. We treat the body head to toe. Every, every, almost every system, every body function, like we try to find the things that you're having difficulty with or holes in your life, and we try to help improve those situations.
0: So if somebody has a limitation from a function standpoint and a particular diagnosis, let's say Parkinson's, they could call a therapy clinic and say, you know, I'm having trouble, this is my diagnosis, do you see
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's and there's specific physical therapy programs for that. There's LSVT-BIG, which is designed to maintain your strength, function, balance, all those things longer with that diagnosis. So it's not always a return to function thing. We, it may just be a, a typical life improvement thing. We want to keep you as good as we possibly can for as long as we possibly can like those diagnoses of Parkinson's, MS, those kind of things.
0: Now, we've seen a little bit of a shift with that, too, with COVID. We've had some diagnoses based on deconditioning from people having secondary issues from COVID.
1: Absolutely. We see general weakness, a a gamut of post-COVID symptoms that range everything from great toe pain to uh, just general lower extremity weakness. There's been so many different post-COVID side effects that we do treat here cardiovascular deficiency where people are literally just so deconditioned that we have to slowly build them back up.
0: And you typically will see results or can get them to a level that they can function at.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's another part of identifying the patient's goals. Like what do you want? And, and we find that, yeah, those are, those are the simple goals that you also love to hear too. I want to get up and down off the ground. I want to, you know, be able to carry my laundry up the stairs and, th- and those are absolutely things that we are happy to help you get better with.
0: And so you talked a little bit about, you know, general daily life and then you've talked about sports and you've kind of leaned on the fact that you've been an athlete and had athletic injuries. So what drove you to the therapy profession?
1: Initially what drove me to the physical therapy profession was I had a really good friend, his ACL. I went with him to the clinic because it was attached to our gym. And the two guys in there who were the physical therapists looked like they were just having a blast all the time. They were playing music, working with a bunch of different athletes. It just looked like a a super fun job. And I was surprised, like, you guys get to do this for a living? That was my initial buy-in. I understand now that there's a lot more to the physical therapy profession, but that was my initial drive. And I also love getting to know people. I I mean, I get to know my patients. I know about their lives. Like we talk because we spend an hour twice a week together. So, and that's one of the the big things that I've loved about the profession. You get to know people, you get to talk to people, you get to be invested in their lives as well. And I think that's a big part of our profession. Their buy-in is a part of us just being good human beings and being able to talk and interact with people.
0: I do see that as a differentiator, A, with like medicine in general, and then with individual therapists that treat, because if you can connect with the patient, you know, often providers like DOs, MDs, nurse practitioners, PAs, they're un- unfortunately in healthcare, they get 10 minutes if that with the patient, they have to diagnose them and they have to shift them to, you know, a different specialty. And in physical therapy, occupational therapy, we able, we can cultivate that relationship Whether it's one visit for an hour or 12 visits for an hour, you're right. And that creates a buy-in, which I think ultimately helps with recovery. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it. Unless there's anything else that you want to touch on. I appreciate you coming out and talking and um, entertaining us with some therapy.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I really had a good time.
0: So tell me, how do I make an appointment with you?
1: You can call our office or visit our website to help schedule an appointment. Our, our therapy number is on there. Um, it doesn't direct you to a specific clinic. It comes to our main hub and then we schedule you from there.
0: Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you. All
1: right. Thank you.